Special thanks to Dragon Army for sponsoring this podcast. Hey, Real Pink listeners. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend. It helps to spread the message and support Komen's fight to end breast cancer for good. From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. Even though you cannot change your genetic makeup, knowing your family health history can help you reduce your risk of developing any kind of health concerns. Today, we'll learn about how to better understand your risk of breast cancer, how to talk with your doctor, and how to make better informed choices. We're going to help empower you to take an active role in decision-making about your health. To help us learn how to better understand our family health history, which helps us better understand our health risks, let me introduce Dr. Susan M. Domchek. Dr. Domchek is the director of the Basser Center for BRCA at the University of Pennsylvania. Dr. Domchek, it is an honor and privilege to have you on the show today. Really excited to be here. Yeah, well, uh, is there anything else you want to kind of add in from my short version of your bio? Sure. Well, relevant to what we're talking about today, I am a medical oncologist. Uh, I was trained to take care of cancer patients, but at the same time, I was trained in genetics. Part of genetics is learning how a family history can impact your risk and how genetic testing can also give you further information about your risk for certain diseases. So that's what we're going to talk about today. All right. I look forward to hearing about this. This is going to be great. Let's just dive right on in. So uh, so first, you know, give me a little background on your relationship with Susan G. Komen and the research project you're currently working on. Well, since 2010, I've been funded by Susan G. Komen as part of their Komen Scholars Program. And this has been a terrific benefit for me in terms of the research uh, that I've been able to do with these resources. The specific project that I've been working on with Komen relates to a certain type of genetic testing that's become uh, very common in the past uh, six or seven years. And that's something called multi-gene panel testing. And all that means is that when you go in uh, to with a family history or personal history of, say, breast and ovarian cancer, you might end up getting genetic testing. And back just seven or eight years ago, you would have been tested for maybe two specific genes. Right. But nowadays, because of the changes in technology and the fact that things have gotten really cheap, we can test you for like 25 genes at once. Wow. But at the same time, we really don't understand what all of those genes really mean. So my project, which is called PROMPT, or the Prospective Registry of Multiplex Testing, is a large registry. It currently has more than 6,500 participants throughout the country, and they enroll on a website, give us information, give us uh, give, give us follow-up information. And for a subset, uh, we also do additional testing on their blood and in their tumor to better understand what these findings on the genetic testing mean for themselves and for their family members. Wow, that's fantastic. I, I love that. You're really moving the ball forward uh, in this new area. That's fantastic. What's particularly interesting about genetic testing, and we're going to get to family history in a, in, in a minute, no matter what your genetic testing is, family history always matters and is quite important. But genetic testing, what we've really come to understand, and if you take as an example, genes called BRCA1, mm-hmm. BRCA2, and these are genes that are associated with a very high risk of breast and ovarian and other cancers, such as prostate cancer, male breast cancer, and pancreatic cancer. But if you know that you have a mutation in one of these genes, it can help you understand what your risk of cancer is. 
Right. It can help you make decisions about how to decrease the risk of cancer. And even increasingly, which is very cool and important, is that it can mean that your doctor, your oncologist, chooses particular drugs to treat your cancer because of that genetic testing result. So it's become really, really important to have this information available. Wow. So, I mean, what I'm hearing you say is that, I mean, to some degree, they understand that based on your genetic makeup, certain drugs are going to be more effective for you than others. And I mean, that's kind of amazing. Right. And this is, you know, one of the, uh, you know, the, the first drugs, uh, some uh, drugs called PERP inhibitors. Mm-hmm. Um, this was first approved at the end of 2014 for BRCA1 and 2-related ovarian cancer. And since that time, um, there have been a number of different PERP inhibitors approved for BRCA1 and 2-related ovarian cancer, breast cancer, and soon, I'm sure, that there will be approval uh, for BRCA1 and 2-related pancreatic cancer. Wow. So the same drug, different tumors, but if the reason you develop that tumor is similar, then these drugs can be effective in all these different circumstances, which is extremely cool scientifically uh, and obviously uh, a benefit for our patients. I love the fact you just said it's extremely cool scientifically. Like That makes me excited about the work that you're doing. That's, uh, that's amazing. Well, I want to tell you why it's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, tell so, me, tell so me. This, this, this may be a little far afield, but when we target things in cancer, when we're, we're uh, targeting drugs, it's easy to figure out how to target something that's turned on. You okay. can imagine that, right? If something's turned on, we're pretty good at turning things off. It's actually harder to figure out how to target something that's turned off. And these drugs, these PARP inhibitors, were really the first drugs to figure that out. And so it's, it's a combination of basic scientists, of which I am not one, I know people in the lab figuring this out, and then clinical trialists, which, you know, that is somebody like me, figuring out how to give it to people. So it really takes really a scientific village to get these things from basic science understanding into improvement in patient care. Wow. It's a team effort. That's fantastic. So let's talk for just a minute, you know, about, about also about family history. I don't want to miss that. Can you walk me through just understanding family history and why that's important? No, it wasn't that long ago that people really didn't talk about their family history very much, and cancer was sort of a word that people didn't say, and that was just an incredibly missed opportunity. Right. Uh, So family history, knowing your family history helps in so many different ways. One is that in certain situations, a family history can point you to a specific genetic susceptibility that you can get tested for and figure that out. Oh, okay. So if you have a family history of colon and uterine cancer, that gives you a clue a breast and ovarian cancer that gives you a different clue. So it's really important to know the details of your family history so we know which genes we're most suspicious for. But even in the event that you get genetic testing and your testing is negative, if there is a ton of breast cancer in your family, you are still at risk for developing breast cancer even if there is no specific genetic susceptibility that's been discovered. So that's another really important thing is that, that it's not just genetics. It has to be, the genetics has to be taken in consideration uh, with your family history. And it's really, really important for people to know what their family history is and talk to their doctors. Some people don't know their family history if they're adopted or um, if they have very small families. And that's important for people to take into consideration as well. Right. And, and you know, you mentioned uh, that, you know, genetic testing that's been discovered, I think, is what you said there. And so, in, in like, I think the other point there is that, just because you don't have the, the markers that we've found so far doesn't mean there won't be others found later that, that someone might have, correct? 
That's exactly right. So that's why when if if you have a very strong family history of cancer and, you know, so, so say I've had breast cancer and many of my family members have and I get genetic testing and that testing is negative, we actually have a phrase for that. We call it uninformative negative. Mm. And you see what I mean by that? Yeah. It's like, okay, it was negative, but that didn't help us any. Right. Because it didn't explain why that cancer runs in the family. And that's, uh, that still happens quite a bit. We still have our work to do to figure out the you know the her the missing heritability as we call it yeah what is it about those families that's leading to cancer that we don't yet understand wow and, and are there any additional tools because I mean you also mentioned you know for people that have small families or may not know their families are there any additional tools that are available that might help with that sure well the TDC has a tool that's available online which just allows you to collect your family history you know in a way uh, we call it a pedigree where we can kind of keep track of the relationship, you know, how is that cousin related to you through your aunt or through your uncle or on which side of the family. And these things matter because when you come in to your doctor or genetic counselor, we do look at these family relationships to try to to determine, you know, what your risk is. So that's a really, really good way of keeping track of it. You know, before Thanksgiving, we like to sort of have this push to say, hey, while you're meeting with your family um, over Thanksgiving, make sure you know if there's any updates to the family history. You know, today we're focusing on cancer and based on Coleman, we are uh, focusing obviously uh, on breast cancer. But remember that your family history matters for all sorts of things, including things like heart disease and diabetes and other things like that. Right. And, and if somebody does, you know, they have, they're having that conversation, they realize that breast cancer does exist in their family. Like what exactly does that mean regarding their own risk. Right. Well, there are the devils in the details, and this is why genetic testing can be so helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a number of genes that are, that if you have a mutation in one of those genes, there is an increased risk of cancer, but it depends on the gene how high that risk is. So BRCA1 and BRCA2, those lead to the highest risk uh, for development of breast cancer, but there are other genes like mutations in CHECK2 and ATM uh, where those risks are lower. And then finally, if there's no gene detected, then we actually use a bunch of different models to um, get a sense of how high the risk is to the individual. And that will depend in part on how old people were when they developed their breast cancer, how many relatives had developed breast cancer, uh, things like that. Right. It's also important to know that there are, there are aspects of your personal history which increase your risk. And those are things like if your uh, breast tissue is dense on your mammograms, um, how much alcohol you drink, um, whether or not you've taken hormone replacement therapy, how old you were when you had your children. So there are models that factor together all these different features, including your family history, to give us an estimate of breast cancer risk. Wow, that's fantastic. Where would somebody go to kind of see those models and be able to figure out what their own risk is? So usually those models, there there is something called the Breast Cancer Risk Assessment Tool, which is available through the National Cancer Institute. And that uh, has something called the Gale model. There are some limitations to these models. So it's really best done in conjunction with your, your physician, a healthcare oh, okay. provider, a genetic counselor, so you can really understand what all of this is. So then understanding your family history at the deepest level that you possibly can, and then being able to take that and take those notes and those findings and share them with your healthcare provider to then really genuinely understand the, the, whole, the holistic risk that you have. Is that correct? Exactly, exactly. On my mammogram, do my breasts look very dense? Is it going to be hard for the mammogram to detect the cancer? And by the way, having very dense breasts also is an independent risk factor of cancer. It's a small risk factor, 
relative to some others, but still it adds in. There's this constellation of factors and a holistic approach of your of your risk. Right, right. So last question, this has been an amazing conversation. I've learned a lot. I really appreciate it. My last question is, if someone is at higher risk, what can they do right now? So there's a few different things. Um, if you have a very elevated risk of cancer based on a specific genetic susceptibility like BRCA1 or 2, we definitely add breast MRI to mammogram in order to find cancers at an earlier stage. Women with BRCA1 and 2 mutations are also at increased risk for ovarian cancer. So we actually do recommend that women have their ovaries removed by ages uh, sort of 40 approximately. There are also lifestyle factors, though, that everybody can do to reduce their risk of breast cancer. And those include minimizing alcohol, a healthy weight, um, getting regular exercise. And there's been recent data that sort of a low-fat Mediterranean-type uh, diet with lots of fruits and vegetables and uh, minimally processed foods and whole grains is also good. So everyone can do these factors that are related to lifestyle. If you're at high enough risk, you can add breast MRI. And then some women do consider preventative removal of the breast, but that's in certain very high-risk situations. Right, right. Wow. That's really, really great advice. Susan, it's been great having you on the show. I really appreciate your time, and uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org, and for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com. Special thanks to Dragon Army for sponsoring this podcast. Because inspiring happiness is at the center of everything Dragon Army does, this full-service digital agency is dedicated to building remarkable products and experiences for its partners. Dragon Army's team of experts create powerful experiences that deepen emotional connections and amplify impact in the core areas of web, mobile, content, and branding. Whether you're a Fortune 500 or a small to medium-sized company, Dragon Army is able to support your business needs. To learn more about this purpose-driven digital agency, head to dragonarmy.com slash Komen. That's D-R-A-G-O-N-A-R-M-Y dot com slash Komen. 